Rebel Goddess Reclamation was born out of the desire to celebrate the sacred feminine. You can look forward to goddess myth and storytelling from all cultures, interviews with inspiring rebel women, and learning about nature-based Sabbaths and any other goddess-loving sexy content that floats the boats of your two founding sisters. We know that in recognizing the radiance in others that we are recognizing the radiance in ourselves. As Rebel Women, we empower ourselves and others without apology or harm, aware and in awe of our united potential. We welcome both the delicious light and exquisite shadow, knowing that this paradox is the source of sacred power. With the wisdom of our ancestors and the hope of all future descendants, we release that which does not serve and manifest that which does. We lean into the unknown with grace, making our own rules and then breaking them. I am your dark sister, Sam. I am your red sister, Sarah. And And we are Rebel Rebel Women Women with Teacups. If you're here for just the goddess story and want to skip the tea review, we'll see you at 18 minutes and 45 seconds in. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm pretty good. What makes you fantastic? Um, I've been, you know, I've been experiencing that COVID seasonal depression and I don't have it today. And that's so mm. important. <laughs> I didn't have it yesterday or today. I did have it earlier this week. And so it just feels good to not be in that yucky funk, even though there's like two feet of snow outside. Yeah. It's still been sunshiny, which has been very important in my happiness yeah and wouldn't you know my dogs start to bark just as we start recording (laughs) they haven't been barking this whole time (laughs) that's okay they're lovely they're like it's great outside (laughs) (laughs) how are you love i'm good i'm uh i think i'm the on i'm on the opposite end this morning Mm. i slept very late and even my cat was like, this isn't okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> kept headbutting me and jumping on the bed. Because he'll do this thing where he, like, walks around the bed, like, on the ground. And then pops up on the far side of the bed. And then bolts, like, his ass is on fire across me. And then off of the bed. Uh, yeah. That's okay. I mean, sometimes we need days like that. Yeah. They do happen more often than not for me lately, but I also think that it has a huge part to do with the um, the weather, because if it was nicer outside, I would definitely be not inside as often and in my little garden. Yeah. For sure. Well, at least the snow reflects the light, so it seems even brighter than usual, mm-hmm. which is nice, but I'm just hesitant to go outside. Like, I don't want to put on 15 layers. I don't want to have to, like, march to be able to, like, walk down the sidewalk because I can't, like, schlep my feet like how I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sit inside. But luckily, we have things like delicious hot tea to yes. drink on these cold days. True. It is true. Did you like that segue? You d- I did. It was very well done. That's good. Thank very you. Had, well done. I had to point it out. Thank you. Uh, okay. So today we are reviewing Black Cat Tea 
from the Enchanted Candle Apothecary. And this tea, okay, so I'm just going to read you um, the flavor profile and composition. So this is, it's a caffeine-free tea, a superb coffee substitute. This earthy blend recalls a peaceful walk through the forest after a light rain. Notes of chocolate from carob, licorice, and strings of coconut combined with a chorus of chicory and sarsaparilla root and roasted dandelion. Oh. I like the way you said all that. Thanks. Yeah. So I don't know if I've ever knowingly smelled sarsaparilla, mm-hmm. but I know that there's a smell in here. It's like, I remember it, but I don't. It's familiar, but it isn't. Sarsaparilla smells like root beer, I think. Uh, that or is that sassafras? Is sassafras? I don't know, but I like sass- saying sassafras. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google it real quick if it's different. Okay. Okay, but the um, when you look at it, it's very much. I mean, I know we've described this before with other teas, but it's very much like you walked outside in your mulch pit and picked up a handful and threw it mm. in. But don't do that. Don't don't drink your mulch as tea. But that is definitely what this looks like. Um, so I don't know what is what, but I'm interested. I'm interested to see what it what it'll taste like. Okay, so sassafras and sarsaparilla are kind of interchangeable. Sarsaparilla is the um, is the actual like plant, and then sassafras it appears is that is what comes from it because it says oh. sarsaparilla and sassafras they were used by Native Americans. Wild sarsaparilla can help relieve symptoms of respiratory. Blah 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 blah. Um, it seems sassafras specifically needs to be manufactured without saffron. Oh, to be FDA approved. Oh, because there's sassafras oil. Okay, so I'm going to say with my 45 seconds of research that they are interchangeable. <laughs> oh, that's good. It does look mulchy for sure. There's like, it looks like fennel seeds are in there too. I didn't see a that's list. That's what it is. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, I kept good. going. I know what those seeds are, but I can't place them. So those, I think those are fennel seeds. It's super chunky, though, like like half-inch wood chunks. I wonder yeah. if that's the carob, maybe? I was wondering that as well. I put one to my mouth, but oh my I really God. didn't taste anything. Li- I'm literally doing that right now. <laughs> I am. Um, you might be able to hear my water right now. Yeah. I. Uh, well, I might have put too much water. Whoopsies. Yeah, that might have been way too much water. That's okay. Did I not give you enough again? Oh, no. I think it's fine. I think I just put too much water into oh, the, okay. the thing. Okay. But that's okay because I, I tend to, if I'm if I'm feeling like it's a tea sort of night, I'll just reuse the same, like just keep filling um, hot water back into the, mm. into the thing. Mm-hmm. So eventually it really is just hot water with a touch of whatever it is but so it's really just the warmth of the hot water is what i'm digging yeah like a little bit of a scent or something left over yeah mm-hmm. so i've had roasted dandelion before as a coffee substitute there's this it's called dandy blend and it's like mm-hmm. a like a loose and you just like mix it in um but I never really liked coffee anyway, so it didn't make sense to me to drink it as, like, a coffee alternative. Because anything that's, like, an alternative, like, fake meat, like, there's no – it's just – it's definitely not the same thing. It should just be its own thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and just enjoy it for the taste of roasted dandelion. 
So I'm. Well, is dandelion? Does it even have caffeine? If this is a caffeine-free blend, no, it doesn't. That's why it's a coffee substitute. But if you roast it, it has this like dark, bittery kind of. Oh, I'm not a I'm not a dark bitter coffee drinker. I prefer blonde. Um, just because I like the lighter taste and also the blonde has more caffeine in it, it which does. is ironic to me that people love dark roast when it doesn't have near as much caffeine in it. Yeah. So I learned this because I, I went down several years ago. I went down a very deep hole <laughs> of coffee enemas. And for coffee enemas, you're supposed to use blonde roasts because number one, there's more caffeine. And then number mm-hmm. two, it's like not processed as much. But that's I, – I remember learning that too and thinking that I was crazy because everyone wants the darkest dark coffee. Well, I think it's probably because we – like our brains do the math with like espresso and how that's like the darkest, richest. So – and it has right. the most caffeine. But that's also concentrated. It's different. It's not right. the same. Right. I do – I would like to one day experience the espresso from your espresso machine. Oh, Okay. Because I've never – like, I've had espresso from coffee shops and what have you, but I feel like it would be different homemade. And everything's better homemade. Yeah, and I'll put it in the sweetest little espresso cups you've ever seen. Oh, yay. With a little gold spoon. Yeah. I don't know what I would use the gold spoon for, but I want to. Well, so you take one spoon of sugar, one little itty-bitty spoonful oh. of sugar, and you stir it in. So, like, when you go to Europe and they give you espresso, even if it's, like, you know, the gas station to-go espresso because they have it everywhere. It's, like, in a little paper cup, and then they give you one packet of sugar. And then you open up oh. the packet of sugar, and you swirl it around, and then you down it. Interesting. Yeah. I'd love to make you espresso, though. Yeah, and I can. I like uh, cappuccino myself a little bit more than just espresso, and then I'll put some sugar directly into the milk before it's, like, foamed up. So then it's, like, sweet foam cream on top of the espresso, and that's really nice. I want that the next time I come to your house, for sure. Okay. And it's, like, you can get a huge dolt in, like, six sips. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, too easy. Now, in Europe, do do they down their espresso or do they baby it? No, they down it. They drink it okay. standing up. It's it's oh. a different price if you drink it at the counter versus if you sit down and have it at a table. I feel like I've seen something like that on um do you know who Rick Steves is on PBS? Mm-mm. Um he does he does a travel show and you can even like um go on Rick Steve tours. Um so you know, you know if you're going to a different country for the first time sometimes it's more comfortable to go with a tour guide tour group because you feel more rooted and and safe I guess you could say that you're not going to lose yourself in a different country mm-hmm. and um but he does these sweet little like 30 minute programs on PBS where he goes through and he goes through like the heart of um all kinds of different European countries um I don't know if he's done South America or any other continent, but I know for sure that I've seen mostly in Europe, but I'm sure that he's done more things. But um, I feel like I watched him go into an espresso bar and his guide taught told him, like, everybody was standing up and it was kind of like, okay, get it and go, let's go, like, kind of thing. So I feel like, yeah, that's super mm-hmm. familiar to me. That's fun. All right. So it's, mine's ambery. What's yours? Uh, mine is darker than amber, for sure. Okay. So then I did put too much water in it. That's fine. So the smell, it it has a little bit of a savory smell to it. It does, most certainly. But I can smell like a cocoa-y smell. Like, like chocolatey? Mm-hmm. Oh, look at your cute teacup. Oh, I have a new teacup. Look at this one. <gasps> Aww. Okay, wait. Aw, it's 
it's so cute. I love the shape. Uh, but then wait, look at how cute the little um. Oh shoot, hang on. The saucer. Oh, show me yeah. the saucer. I can't. But I hang on. Let me slurp the tea up from it first. I'm gonna turn it sideways. There you go. Look at it's got little. They're like little. The flowers look like polka dots all over it. It's like the sweetest. But then that's cute. Wait, hang on. But then wait, but wait, there's more. But then let me see if I can show you. Can you see it in there? The handle. No, no, no. Inside the cup. Inside the cup. It says mother in gold. Oh, I know. That's so sweet. I know. Did Ayla get that for you? No, somebody else got it for somebody else, and I snuck it up from the thrift store. But some Yay. lovely daughter bought it for their mother. Her mother. <laughs> yes. That's so cute. I have been um, refraining from buying teacups because mm-hmm. I because I want all the teacups. Yep. But I feel like another new teacup, a new used teacup is going to be on its way soon. I don't know from where, but mm. I feel it in my bones. I've had to um, uh, – I thought it was restraining myself because every time I go, I mean, I can always find a new one. And it's like, well, yeah, why not? But then what I realized was I, I added a shelf above my oven to put my teacups on so that I could see them all because I didn't want them in the cabinet. But then there's only so many spots for teacups. So then it's like – I I can only buy the teacups that I love, love, love that like have something special. Yeah. Because all teacups are like automatically a seven out of ten, so they really have to be <laughs> top end, like eight, nine, you know, for me yes. to to take them home nowadays. But this one said mother, so I figured that's sweet. Yeah. But no, I couldn't see it, so I'm glad that you read it to me. But I'm looking at your tea; it's crazy darker than mine. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest. It's not as bad as I anticipated. I can see in your face you're going to have a different answer. It, Is it strong? I mean, a little bit. It doesn't it doesn't really smell good, number 1. Like, yeah. And then it tastes like it smells a little bit. I can definitely taste the undertasting of it. The smell made me very resistant to wanting to try this one, but it might be because mine is is um more diluted than yours Mm. it is not i can i can definitely take taste the chocolate in it it's got that little spicy kickback in in the you know the the aftertaste of it um but for me it definitely is not as bad as i anticipated but i can see that yeah (laughs) in your face i don't think it's not a fave i'm not gonna finish drinking it i don't think i wonder i just wish that she would list um, <clears throat> like all of the ingredients in it instead of just the flavor profile and composition. Oh, I thought she included what was in it. Interesting. I mean, it lists several things, but I don't know. Is that everything? Carob, coconut, chicory. No, because there's definitely fennel in there and she didn't list fennel. It does make my tongue a little bit tingly. Are you okay if I boil some more water? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Just a second. I actually don't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. I was surprised. Really? Would I ever drink it again? No, not probably not. But, um, but it's not as bad as I thought the smell was, and it's probably because of the fennel. Because fennel and fenugreek have a very—I think that's how you say it—have a very specific mm-hmm. smell and taste, and I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, 
So fenugreek, I when I had my daughter and I was trying to increase my milk production, yes. um, my midwife said fenugreek, and I need to take these insanely high doses, like three, four grams. And usually, in if you're taking it as a powdered supplement inside a capsule, a capsule can be anywhere from like half a gram to a gram. So if you're taking, you know, six capsules of fenugreek, but then what ended up happening was you like you you sweat it out, your whole body starts smell to like smell like that, that. and my my armpit started to smell like, well, it. So my midwife said that it smelled like, um, like not. It, she didn't smell my armpits and tell me this, but she was like, "What people say is that it smells like maple yeah. syrup," which I could definitely get. But to me, it tasted more like savory. It smelled. It tasted. It smelled more savory, <laughs> and then I had to stop because I was like, I just feel like all day long I smell like fenugreek. Yeah, food. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have heard that for sure. But it did increase my milk production some. That it that is true. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not, but we're just so used to like pharmaceuticals working yeah. and then herbs not. So then when they do, you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Actually, so to finish that's that story. So I told her I didn't want to take the fenugreek anymore and if she had any other ideas, and she was like, Well, there is this other thing and it's a prescription and we're using it off label, which like they're not supposed to prescribe things off label. Mm-hmm. Like you can use it for this thing, but it hasn't been FDA approved and like that's not what Okay, so but it was a um, acid reflux medicine, mm-hmm. and as a byproduct, it just like increases your. And but I didn't have acid reflux, but I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it because it was really important to me to continue nursing my daughter, and so because I went back to work. So then, when you're pumping with a pump instead of your you know daughter evacuating all the milk out of your breast, then you're not fully, fully removing all the milk that's in there. So then your production slows. Anyways, mm-hmm. so I started taking this. Uh, as reflux medicine and my boobs were like the most full all the time which was incredible but it started to give me really terrible anxiety and I couldn't sleep Mm. and it was like my brain was going crazy and then so then I stopped taking it and then eventually like just like it increased my milk supply enough that I could ride that increase out for the next you know like month or two and then we weaned her off I think at like four months um but and then I was thinking about all the people who have actual acid reflux and take that and like Which one is better? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not being able to sleep or being like crazy, like mentally spiraling all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I bet you there's an herb for that. Yeah, probably. Let me take this pharmaceutical to increase this one thing and then I'll take an herb to offset the symptoms of this pharmaceutical. Right? Yeah. But I remember <sighs> even with well, – especially with, with birthing, it's like as soon as you add one intervention, it's intervention after intervention after intervention. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're like numbing pain, then you're not fully present and like able to push, right? And then you don't have like full access to your pelvic floor. And then you have to like increase Pitocin to be able to like increase contractions. It's like the whole thing is this terrible, terrible cycle. Yeah, it really is. Anyways. (laughs) So drumming. You want to talk about drumming? I really – I really, really do. I managed. I, I should have thought of some great segue with birth and drumming because drum. You we used to drum back in the day when we were goddess centric. We would drum during birth to like yeah. increase the power that the woman has while she's pushing. And yeah, have you seen um, the image that was? Re- I don't know how recently it was released, but it's definitely been within the last year or so of um, Mary giving birth. No, wait. 
Is it the one that has that caption and it's like, because I remember seeing one about how, you know, like a 13-year-old gave birth to the king, but like we like downplay women's power. And so it's like basically a teenager giving birth. Is it that image? I can't quite remember, but I do remember the text that you're talking about. But I will say that this is it's one of the most powerful images because it shows the woman and her primal scream mm. at the moment that birth happens. Um. And the artist of the series, so she did a whole series, the artist of the series has been contacted by multiple people in the clergy, um, including nuns, saying that that it shouldn't be showcased. And she's like, oh, no, this is what would have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll find her name. And if we remember to put it in the footnotes so people can see this, but it's one of the most powerful images I've mm. ever seen. Because it is, it's that moment of primal <clears throat> release. Yeah, clergy don't it's like so, that. It's so divine. No, it, no, they don't. It's so divine. Oh my gosh. They don't like that and they don't like angels that are not white. <laughs> yeah. Which is ironic because Jesus was not white. I know. But whatevs. But whatevs. You know, <laughs> just a little whitewash of history. It's fine. <sighs> okay, so drums. So drums. So I, okay, Sam and I host um, drum making circles quite often, um, frame drums. And it's a passion that I found. And then Sam has come along for the ride. And I literally don't think that I could do it without her because she brings so much um, passion and loveliness and knowledge. And just like she talked about earlier, how she went to a deep dive of Whenever she gets into anything, she deep dives into it like so hardcore and I fucking love it. Like I love, I love Sam and her mind and the way that she like puts her 112% into everything. But I was doing training. Um, so depending on how you say it, because here and across the pond, it's either a monarch or a monarchy, depending on how you want to pronounce it. But I was doing training to become a monarchy leader and basically uh, learn how to host gatherings the the way that i learned was focused on maidens that had just transitioned from being a child into womanhood with their menstrual cycle um although i also love to do um gatherings of women because you know let's be honest not everybody had a great transition into getting their periods whether it was with their family or with their schoolmates or the pain of the pain of it itself it might not always have been a joyous transition and i wanted to offer a space for not only recently transitioned maidens but women who need to reach back in time to their um their maiden self their newly transitioned maiden self to heal um the pain that they might hold around their monthly cycle. Cause we're, we're taught to um, fear our monthly cycle. Ugh, it's that time of the month again. Oh, hormones and uh, this and uh, that. Um, and I will say being in this country, it is not, it, there's not a stigma around it. Like it can be in other countries, um, which I just found out New Zealand is passing a law to where all um, sanitary items will be free because a lot of girls can't go to school. And this is the case in a lot of countries. Girls can't go to school during their menstrual cycle because they don't have access to sanitary products to be able to, um, you know, not bleed on themselves during mm -hmm. during school. And so uh, New Zealand is 
um, either has just passed or is about to pass to where it's free for everybody because it shouldn't be a hindrance for half of the population right. when it's something that's a natural biology. Right. And so I... Um, Wait, are you familiar with the pink tax here in America? I'm familiar with... Um, I don't know if I know it by name, but it's basically to get rid of the tax that was associated with um, hygiene products in that aspect. Because we shouldn't be taxed for a natural biology. Right. It's required. Which Ohio just passed it. Oh, did they? Or is that now nation? Yeah, I don't Ohio's know. passed it. But it's okay. even like if you look at like razors, like men's razors versus the pink razors, like the women's razors They're so much more are expensive. more expensive. Yeah. Fuck for that. For the same damn thing, but pink. Fuck the fuck. That. <laughs> it pisses me off, man. <laughs> yeah, so. So I was in this training and I had already graduated from the training, but I was brushing up on it. So I was going back through the um, the little manual that came with it. And I don't know how I missed it the first time around hmm. um, because it wasn't something that was mandatory or required. But inside the training, it said uh, a, a really cool idea to do during these trainings or not trainings dur- during these um, celebrations and these ceremonies is making a red drum. And so that was the first time I was introduced to the red drum. And it talked about Micaiah Seeds and the Red Moon Mystery School um, that's based out of Canada. And um, so I contacted, well, I, so I did some research. I did some research and it was like maybe one or two months later, I decided, you know what? I've got the extra money. I would like to become a red drum carrier because I really, so to a backstory to predate that, I was also at one time um, working as an energy exchange inside of a um, boutique and inside the boutique, there were two frame drums that I Always wanted to purchase. I always wanted to buy it, but I always kept myself from buying it, and I didn't know why. But every time I would go into the studio or the boutique space, I always touched everything to, like, give it, like, a new cleansing energy. So, like, I would take cups of crystals and and rotate them so that it would be, like, something fresh for them. Um, And one of the things that I always did was I would play a few strums on both of the drums so that they would have some life inside of them, right? So I always wanted these drums always been called to play drums um also another backstory to it is in july of 2019 i attended my first solo retreat um where it was just where the only person i knew was me that was going to this retreat it was a week long it was a very big deal it was a wildly it was a spiritually awakening awakening retreat for sure and one day, it was so beautiful, we were um, gifted a day of silence. Now, not everybody, you know, digs being in silence, but I'd never been given the opportunity to not have to talk to a damn person, mm-hmm. not have to find a conversation or to carry on a conversation. Uh, so there was this, it was a day of silence and um, we were, there was a, some things that she asked us to do throughout the day. And so it was this day long, like it was just so like... That's a whole podcast by itself, this experience, which is also the things that I'm trying to create in my first week-long retreat that's coming up this year. But in this day of silence, it was close to dinner time, and I'd spent all day by myself. Everybody had pretty much spent all day by themselves unless they were sharing the same space. They just weren't talking. And so I came, I was coming back from a field that I had wildly danced in and was rolling down the hill. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you roll down the hill. And I hadn't done that since I was a kid. So I was like, I'm going to roll down the hill. So I'm like dancing and rolling down the hill. 
And then I come back. And when I open the door up the stairs, I hear music. And I walk up the stairs. And it's the women have gathered because it's close to dinner time. So we're in the space that we're going to have dinner. And there were instruments throughout this whole lodge. And so women were grabbing instruments and they were just playing and playing and playing. And it was just ecstatic and erratic. And then, um, Hmm. you know, there were drums and women were playing the drums. And I had a long flowing skirt on as I often do. And I also had um, Hmm. belly dancing scarves. I don't know the proper name of them. With the bells on them? But it's the... With the bells on them. Mm -hmm. And so I was dancing and shaking my hips. So I was adding music to it in my own way. Um, And I wanted to walk over and I wanted to get the frame drum. But I kept stopping myself because I didn't want to be the one to throw off the beat. And so I kept myself from playing the one instrument I was being called to play. Mm -hmm. And, And that was the only time throughout that week that we had done like random Um, music playing but again i would play other instruments i just wouldn't play the frame drum Mm. cut to a year later i'm going through this training i've already continued this training and then i decide you know what okay yes i want to make a drum i want to lead this because if i'm feeling it i know other women are going to feel it too so i get my drum and i make it i get my you know go through the training make my drum and it's like yes let's do this And so I go to set forth my first Red Drum workshop, and I knew that I couldn't be the – I wanted to have somebody to help co-facilitate it with me. And the first person I thought of was Sam because we were already – had created such beautiful things together. And I thought how fun that would be where each time I would have a different co-facilitator, and then in exchange, they could make a drum. And – and then I would have somebody there with me to where it's not just me um, to where it's something different every time. Well, <laughs> Sam's been there every single time and, and, and I love it. Now, we've had different other co-facilitators with us, but it's definitely a Sam and Sarah thing. And I consider us drumming witches like mm-hmm. we're drum witches. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm, when you it's hard to put the experience into words Unless you have been a part of it, because it is something that just falls into place. So I'm going to stop talking and let Sam take over okay. and tell you her experience. Yeah, I, I think that drums, they are, um, for me, they were unexpected. I had no intentions in falling in love with them, but they transport you. If you pick one up with an open heart and like can face that fear of like I'm going to make noise whether it's with yourself alone or with others and then you just like go ham on it yes it I you can't you can't exist with like the ego saying all the things that it does or keeping track of all the things it just everything else falls away and one of um so the last drum workshop we did um I had invited my my boss from my other job and she she made a drum and I had asked her afterwards because there's you make the drum it's a whole day long what eight hours and and we we talk about the history of drumming and how the goddess was connected to the drumming and um you know how women have this natural natural um cultural tendency to like be quiet and take up less space and all of these things and so drumming kind of reverses all of that and and dismantles all of it and so, so it's a whole day long thing. We make the drum, but we don't actually play the drum you make that day because the drum is still wet. It needs 24 or 48 hours to dry. So then in the, 
in the the day long workshop we talk about and and brainstorm how you're going to wake up your drum because it should be a ritualized experience and it's like a really large celebration you know this this energy from whether it's the maple or cedar tree from the frame and the energy from the animal you know whether it's elk or buffalo or whatever and then your energy are all combining from from these things that were separate and then now there's this incredible union that you've alchemized so then the moment that it sings its very first song is like this huge this huge pop of manifestation that you know like like when you give birth to a child you think you know what you're gonna get but you never like there's no way you could foretell what's gonna happen right like you don't know what song it's going to sing or the beat it wants to play or the tone and you know the drum on a different day is going to have a different sound but okay so so let me get back to this where I was telling so my boss makes a drum (laughs) and then uh it was like a week later before I remembered to like circle back with her because in in the midst of like you know working at a job and stuff and so I finally asked her um how she woke it up because she had wanted to wake it up on this hillside near her home was uh, uh, the hillside of the school, a high school that was near her. But the hillside is set up in a way that the sun comes up and you can see the sun. Was it the sunrise or the sunset? Well, I guess it would be either because depending on the way that you look. Um, So I asked her if she got to sit on the hillside and she was like, no, I didn't. But it was pretty great. And I asked her what she did and she said that she, she lives with her parents. And so having her own space in the house is not something that she has the luxury of having, or at least not a lot of it. And she said they they always make noise in the house. So she just took her drum and started beating it all throughout the house. <laughs> and their spaces are like, this is me now. <laughs> I'm making noise. <laughs> oh, damn it. That's funny. Yeah. It's really great. Um, yeah, that is great. So, yeah. So waking up the drums and – and they are – okay, so there's several different ways to lace a drum. And so we mm. learned the initial way through the Red Moon Mystery School, um, which is Nakaya up in Canada. And it's it's a beautiful – you go around the perimeter of the hide, the, around the, the edge of the circle first, and then you connect through the center. And then there's other ways, lots of other ways. And this other way we've been doing is more like a star shape. So you go from one end of the circle across it and then back and then across and back and across, and it creates this beautiful – like geometric star in the center um and then there's you know you can you can lace it with cord you can lace it with rawhide strips and so there's different designs there's different um you know there's different materials that you can dye it different colors and it just is like this this never-ending like yeah 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 and it's and and so no matter what drum you make on any given day, it's never going to be, you know, if we've made seven drums, you're never going to make this drum that's sitting in front of you again. It's this is it. And it's like the, you know, as as a mother gives birth, right? you're like midwifing this thing into existence. And, and sometimes with drum making, it can get really frustrating because <laughs> the lacing can get really confusing or, you know, it hurts your hands because you want to pull it really tight. And the whole thing in and of itself is a meditation. And it is this opportunity to, I like to say, gently poke the bear because you're like upsetting your ego and you're getting frustrated, but there's really nothing real at stake. So then you can, if you have the presence and the ability to do so, you take a step back and you're like, I'm just lacing a drum, right? Like it's supposed to be lovely. It's supposed to be enjoyable. And then you reset from that frustration. And if you lace a drum 
with this frustration in your heart, then that's the song that the drum is going to play. So there's this like up-leveling of responsibility that you have to like, you have got to be present in that moment and you've got to enjoy it because if you don't, then all the vibrations it's going to put out from the moment of its birth until whenever in the future is going to be one of, you know, frustration and agony and whatever. Yeah. We are given the, the gift and the benefit and the experience to have created many drums in all of the circles that we've created. So it's, I, for me at least, it's made me appreciate that I get to watch the creation of a, of a woman's first drum. Mm. And just like Sam said, it can be very frustrating and you and your perfectionist can and will take over. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely room but it's but at the same time it's like you're you're messing with um materials that you've never touched before most likely in your entire life when the first time you tied your shoe it wasn't pretty the first time you rode your bike without training wheels it wasn't pretty and so i think it's something so beautiful looking at the evolution of my red drum I've made multiple red drums. I've made an indigo drum that actually turned out to be um, pretty much black. And then I've made a 13-sided drum. And the evolution, the 13-sided drum was the last drum I created. And um, <laughs> throughout the evolution of the drums I've created, I've tied my my um, ropes too tight. <laughs> and I decided to not do that with a 13 sided drum. And even Sam had reservations. She didn't share them with me that day where she was like, maybe you should make them a little bit tighter. But I decided not to. It was all floppy looking. I remember I was like, yeah, there's like so much space in there. Like, how can we not get yeah. at that? But you know, it's her journey. So I didn't right? say anything. And it is my best sounding drum <laughs> by far. And honestly, like, I love my red drums, and I love that that's where my evolution began because it's rooted so much in the goddess and so much in the feminine. But that 13-sided drum is a whole different story. Like, that is my – it's my favorite, 100% my favorite. And I don't know if it's because the sound um, or the fact that it's a representation of 13, which is very sacred to me and it's sacred to the goddess – and I was very fortunate. Sam gifted that to me for Solstice. And I was very grateful because it, it's my favorite drum hmm. by far. Do you have a favorite drum? Um, I had a favorite drum because my OG red drum has been my favorite. She was always played the most. But my eight-sided drum, so I made an eight-sided drum when Sarah made her 13-sided because eight is speaks to me most deeply in terms of the goddess. Um, and that one definitely sounds the most beautiful. Oh, I didn't even tell you. Um, okay, wait. So it's buffalo skin. So it was also like breaking the mold because typically I've made everything. All of my own drums have always been elk. Although I did make four separate deer hide drums, which deer, so like in my in my mind, the hierarchy of animals, like you would think that an elk would sound like deeper and richer, mm-hmm. but in my experience, having made those four um, deer drums, is that the deer is like much more user-friendly, and I don't know if it's because, you know, you can tie it tighter and there's more margin for error there, but all four of those drums sounded incredible, whereas mm. some of my elk drums they are a little bit more needy. So like because it's it's hide, right? So it's skin. So just like your skin, it can get, you know, dry and it needs a little bit of moisture. So then you mist it with water and you give your drum a little drink. Or maybe it's too loose and then you need to give it some heat and so you warm it up a little bit. But so most of my drums need a little bit of, of attention and care 
to make them sound the way that I know that they can sound instead of they're like fresh off the shelf. I also keep my house, I mean, it's winter time, then my house is pretty toasty and it's very dry in here. So I'm sure that doesn't help any of them sound good. But my A-sided drum sounds incredible. And uh, so I bought um, at Coco Pelli, the native, um, that native shop, I bought. In Vandalia, yeah. Yes, I bought eight buffalo teeth to hang (gasps) from it. Yeah, they're fucking that's beautiful. Sick. So, but then I didn't want just the teeth. I also wanted um feathers hanging from it, but then like I bought some feathers on Amazon, but it's just like it feels fucked up. Like I put feathers on yeah. this rattle that I made and like that's okay, but it doesn't feel right to put them on the drum, but I had some feathers from this other project that I did that were like gathered feathers. So I deconstructed that and I'm going to put those feathers on it. But then it's like if I put feathers and buffalo teeth, you can't really even see the buffalo teeth because they're going to get lost in the feathers. So and I don't want just like eight dangling buffalo teeth. So I haven't worked it out completely. But my original, um, not original, my current intention is to put the buffalo teeth, the eight buffalo teeth with the eight sided buffalo drum and then like, you know make it really great but i do that's beautiful thank you i was just gonna say sometimes i feel like so spoiled because i remember my first drum only having one drum and it was like it was everything and i just and then i wanted so many more of them and then i created so (laughs) many more of them and i'm like there's not there's not even enough space on my walls like i'm my drums cover two walls now and uh and i don't know if it's the point where i start giving them away or, or you know, crafting them more specifically to not be mine. But they're like, you know, I have a very strong heart pull to, to at least four of my drums that I feel like are mm. meant to be mine. So, but then every drum that I make is like, you know, it's like your baby and you, you yeah. put something lovely. But what I really like to do is start getting into doing like – um, like commissioned work because you can put things on the inside of the frame, right? You can put incantations or affirmations on the inside yeah. of the frame or on the outside of the inside of the frame so that you can either see them or you can't see them. And then every time you strike the drum, it's this vibrational event of that those words moving out into the ether through yeah. your action, through your like actual karma, like hitting – the action of hitting a drum is like a karmic – you know, event, and then you're exploding these things into the world. So I just, the potential for creating something for someone, I like to do art. I like to create things. I like to like get messy, but not everybody likes to do that. So for the people out there who want to drum and want it to be exactly what they want it to be, but don't actually want to do it, it's like, let me make that drum for you. And then I don't have to yes. hoard all of these drums because it's starting <laughs> to feel like I've got too many drums and I need to release them. Yes, I know exactly what you mean because it's and it's also and it's in the pure joy of creating it. Yes, like just the joy of creating it is something so immense. It's so yummy. Um, it brings me more joy than I ever thought. Like a lot of the times, I get into things or I study things because I'm like, yeah, that'll be great. That looks great on paper. That looks like you know, women will want to work with me because I have these certifications. And then I don't, at the same time, I don't realize a, how it's changing me and, or Mm -hmm. how much it is changing the women that are in these circles with us. Like the first, the very first red drum, um, event that we, that we hosted, the stories of the women and why they were called to make mm-hmm. and have their own red drum, like it brought me to tears. And mm-hmm. I and I was not prepared for it because I thought it was just like, oh, look at this joyous thing that we get to create. And I did not see it as 
such a deeply spiritual moment for so many women. And it completely changed my view on how I treat the creation of drums um, because it brought me joy, but it brought other women that deep spirituality. And I'm so grateful, so grateful that I got to witness that and that I can get to continue to witness that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and as facilitators, it's like our job to inspire that in others, but I mean, there's a huge portion of the day is these women inspiring us, not only with their story, but, you know, then their, uh, you know, freeballing ideas of uh, how they see themselves playing their drums in the future or, you know, wherever their imagination has taken them or or why they feel it's important. Yeah, it's just is it's like a, a very rewarding, but you just don't know until until you have it happen and then like listening to drums listening to women playing drums you know even like it's because if a woman a woman who plays a drum doesn't give any fucks and it is no (laughs) inspiring to you know and i think every woman wants to have a little bit of that even if she's prim and proper there's still this desire i mean just like you had shared you know like wanting to play the drum but like not wanting to fuck it up and drums i mean yeah you can fuck it up but you fuck it up for what like a second and then by the next beat you have another opportunity to make it right and find alignment again which in itself is like another beautiful meditation of like how can you approach your humanity and whatever flaws you might perceive or let your flaws be seen and experienced and heard by others without it getting you down and you can like keep on going and like still contribute to the group still contribute to a collective experience that is worthwhile and has so much value that it wouldn't have without you you know like it's ah it's so good it is and even if you mess up that's just changing the rhythm and so the women follow you Mm -hmm. it is amazing how the sound of the circle is at the beginning versus how it's evolved towards the end because everyone at one point changes some sort of a beat but then every other woman falls into place with it it is so damn delicious and every woman needs to experience it every woman needs to experience it it's like the god the lessons of the goddess of you know cycles of change and transformation and and, you know, light and dark and good and bad and all of it, but in this sound experience, because as it changes, right, you just accept it and you just move with it. And you, because any resistance to that would then start to dismantle the alignment of the group or the rhythm of the group. But it's in going with it that the whole thing starts to expand and bloom, which is yeah. the, like a super, super goddess centric perspective on experience. So I want to segue off of that into the goddess and the feminine and um, the reason I shouldn't say the reason why, but one of the reasons why it called to me so deeply. So there's this book from Lane Redman, L-A-Y-N-E Redman, um, who was a drummer. She has since passed, but um, she has a beautiful story. And there's a free like 30 minute documentary online um, if you were to look it up just to hear her story, which is beautiful. But she wrote this book. Um, called When the Drummers Were Women, A Spiritual History of Rhythm. And so back in the day, like when we were much more um, feminine-centric, a lot of the... Wait, can I just clarify? When you say feminine-centric, you mean nature-worshipping, basically. Correct. Okay. Yes. So when we were in more of the time where we were um, 
much more celebrated in the 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 divine feminine and worshiping the goddess and having temples to goddesses not just a god or gods um nature worshiping things like that um a lot of them, you, you, I guess you could call them the menial tasks, the day-to-day tasks were bestowed on women. So women were the caretakers of these temples. And um, so that's something very important to remember that at one point, almost all religious anything, any ceremonies, any gatherings, things like that were, I don't want to say hosted, but were um, guided with by women because that was their, that was just a sacred duty that was bestowed upon them. And so you'll see these images of what looks like women holding a cake, but they're actually holding a frame drum. And when you look at the image itself, it's like um, they're hold. if they if you were to look at it, it looks like they're holding it up so that you can see the top of the cake um, as they're standing. Am I doing a good job to explain that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it looks like they're holding a circle like beside yeah, yeah. them. Essentially. And so some people have seen that as the wor- a worship to the moon um, because the moon is considered a feminine, the feminine aspect and the sun is the, the masculine aspect. But they're not holding the moon. They're holding a frame drum because women were there during birth, during um, death, during the menstrual cycle because you know the the adage that when a group of women are together for a period of time their menstrual cycles sync up and that was very much the case in these small villages where you're you know with the same people every day so the women would go to fields and allow their blood to fall on the earth to gift it back to the earth because the nutrients inside your menstrual cycle blood plants go gaga over Hmm. And so they would play drums and they would give their blood back to the earth and um, during birth and again during death and all those things. And so here's here's an excerpt. I couldn't find my actual book, which super bums me out. Hmm. But one of the excerpts that I think is very important to understand, it says, because drumming was recognized as an ancient source and symbol of the power of the female technicians of the sacred, drumming was banned. Henceforth, divinity was to be exclusively masculine. The suppression of women was directly linked to the suppression of the goddess. And so these things were taken away from us because when you look at society today, if you were to think, if you were to hear the word, are you a drummer? You would immediately think that question is being asked to a man, not a woman, because it's not classically seen you know, a woman being a drummer in any capacity, but it's important to understand how deeply ingrained the feminine, the goddess was in our ancient times. There's so many things that are hidden from us or just not taught to us about the ancient ways when things were a little bit, I don't want to say prettier, but they were a little bit more divine, I guess you could say in that time when it came to the celebration of woman and not the suppression of woman. And if you look at sound as, I mean, as a vibration and sound vibration as a a pathway or a a spiritual technology, right? And especially with drum, it's like, it's so Mm. primal and it's so, um, Mm. I'm going to say approachable, but like anyone can pick up a drum, like a child, right? If you put a drum in front of a toddler, there's not going to be a moment's hesitation before he starts banging on it. Like you just know what to do. And the fact that this technology of, of using sound to transport the self or to move, 
you know, your your awareness from your head to your heart had been taken away from us. And then all the mm. other layers of, you know, encouraging our silence yeah. and encouraging us to be small and encouraging fear. Fear for simply existing. Like that is in sane, which is like 15 steps backward from what a spiritual technology is doing to move us forward in our work. So you might... You might hear us talk about all these things and wonder, you know, like, how can I use a drum in everyday life? And I would say, well, first of all, I think everybody should dedicate one song to just free dancing every single day. And it's not, you know, there's many days that that I don't do those, but I realized and I've tried this. I've experimented with it. The days that I, towards the beginning of my day, have done ecstatic dance even if it was only for one three-minute song my day is a so much more joyous and I have so much more energy to do the things that I have to do whether or not it's things that I want to do like I don't want to have to cook every single day but I do but it's not as much of a, a tax on my mental state on the days that I do some type of ecstatic movement and let me tell you my neighbor's <laughs> I'm sure that they'll be like, what is that crazy bitch doing now? Because I've realized every street I've ever lived on, we've been the loud house of the street. And that's okay. It's fine. It's something that I've accepted and I've moved on from. But I will turn on a song. And even even if I don't know how to play, I'm going to play the drum to the beat that sounds good to me in that song. And then I'm going to dance and I'm going to sing with that. Or you can use it even if you're just even if you don't have time to give yourself five or 10 minutes of meditation, if you sit still and play that drum for one minute, it changes your perspective on the day. Mm-hmm. And it's just and it, and it doesn't have to be loud and taking up space. It can be simple, small strokes of the drum that are just centering you to take on the day or to wrap up your evening. And um, yeah, it can be it can be something as ecstatic as a, a loud three minute dance or as a quiet, small moment of breath, just you and the universe and your drum. Would you add anything to that, to that, Sam? So sometimes, I mean, because we've been talking about drums, playing them loud and, and loud and proud, but sometimes my drums want like, you know, like a finger flick or even like a palm rub, right? So it just kind of sounds like a soft scratching. And it's like, how can you explore this instrument as, uh, as an extension of you and like whatever it is inside of you that wants to come out in addition to whatever it is inside of that drum on that particular day that wants to come out? Yeah. Yeah. Literally, it is. And some days it can just simply be touching your drum just to give them acknowledgement. There, I want everybody to make drums. Everybody needs to make drums. Yeah. And then we'll just have like a big circle of drama playing and it'll be lovely. I have a friend who is a musician and I went to see him one time play and all of his musician friends asked me if I played an instrument and this was long before drums and I remember saying no I've got like really great ears though like I'm here to listen (laughs) I'm such a great listener because I never considered myself having rhythm like I I don't think that I'm like fully fully tone deaf but I know being able to sing on key is not something that is easily accessible for me or like keeping beat with things like it stresses me out it does not 
not come naturally. But with the drum, you know, over time, it's it it is very much there for me. And then, you know, there's songs. So playing the drum on its own without any music in the background is lovely. And then playing the drum in addition to whatever song I already know and love is also amazing. And I remember um, I had made so in one of our drum circles with uh, we had co-facilitated our co-facilitating like guest teacher is was a different Sarah and she does incredible art and she had brought the idea of making like sound bracelets and like rattly bracelets with like jingles and stuff so we all made these jingle bracelets and so there's this song that I absolutely love it's called the eight bead chant and um Carolina Hillier sings it and there's no like music in the background it's just like her going wild and it's just these eight sets of words which correlate to the eight-sided drum very perfectly and the the transition of the goddess. And so I'm like banging on the drum and then I can like see these things and like feel these things, like all of these iterations of like what is to come because visions will drop in. Like, you know, you can sit down and intend to have like a path working session or a meditation. But I find that when I play the drum, visions drop in like wildfire, left and right, left and right, left and right. And so, so I had this vision. So then I, I put on the rattle on my, on my wrist or not the rattle, the, um, the, the jingly bracelet. Was it on my wrist? No, it was on my foot that's what it was so I'm banging my drum and then I'm stomping my foot but like not at the same time and so I'm creating this whole you know set of like multi-rhythm within this singular you know Sam self and it's like I remember thinking in that moment like very um what's the word like like I didn't know that I had it in me to be able to sustain two sets of rhythm Mm. within this one larger like yes and it made me feel great about myself. And then I even Marco do. And I was yes. like, look at what I can do. This is what we're doing now. I remember that. I loved it so much. It was so, so good. Loved it. Yes. Yes. Brings me joy. Yeah. Drums just make you feel good. They make you feel good about yourself. They make you feel good about just existing. And I mean, you. what do you do to a drum? You play it. You fucking play. Yes. That's, I mean... How how is it not going to bring you joy if what you're doing is playing it? Yeah. You know? And let me tell you, it's the wildest thing too. So when you hold a drum, it could be the exact same drum, and then you pass it off to someone else to play, it sounds different because you're obviously in a different like um, spatial awareness from it. I don't know if I'm using the right words. Um, but since you're in a different area. But let me tell you, my 13-sided drum, and I don't know if it's because of – spaces I'm in but when I play that drum the sound from the front reverberates through the back and it sends this wom 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 through the air that I can hear and it's mm. very it's wild it's freaky it's awesome it's wonderful it's beautiful and I love it and I, I will say this one of the best things to ever see is the first time a woman plays a drum in the circle the way that their face lights up because mm. it's like whoa Hey, whoa, like that sounds different. And then they start playing it and then they start experimenting with it. And it's just like their soul lights up because it's like, oh, that's where you've been all this time. Mm -hmm. You can see them literally shed all of the layers of like the things that have been holding them back. And they just like melt away because they cannot exist in unison with like truly heart centered drum playing. Yeah. I actually, I forgot to mention this earlier. So the class that I held last night, we were doing sigil making and to activate their sigil, I had them play the drum over top of their sigil Mm. to activate it. And 
You know, the first, you know, it started off kind of meek and I was like, no, I want to hear you. And it's like once you were like given that permission, you're like, oh, yeah, I can make noise. And it's so good. It's so good. It's so yummy. I can't like, like we are fangirling and there's a reason why we're fangirling <laughs> because it, ch- it changes your life. And that's not a, that's like not just saying pretty words. It changes your life. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's the it's the most delicious slippery slope. And it's like you you think that you need permission, right? And maybe the first time you do. But then what happens is you realize you don't need anyone's permission. Yes. yes. And then you're like unstoppable. And you can tap into that, you know, like no fucks place super easily because you've now made it your home. Yeah. You know, it's not like, can I dip my toes in? How does this feel? Uh, uh. It's like fucking all in ladies you know what i mean (laughs) yes 100 percent. it's true should we play your drums a little bit because i like want to play my drum right now oh yeah Yeah. sure okay you gonna grab your 13 sided yeah i'll grab my eight yeah okay (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so things that can also yeah oh wait Yes. Okay, so things that can also change the sound of the drum is the mallet, like what your mallet is covered in, how densely the mallet head has been like molded together, and then also too the way that you hold your mallet, if you hold it super tight or if you hold it like loosey-goosey, if you like use your hand to like whack it or if you use like your forearm and like a wrist snap, all of that makes a difference in in addition to like how tightly you hold the back of the drum too. Hold on, I'm going to change the ears. Let's hear 13 Mama. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Hmm. How's it sound? She sounds really good. Okay, good. Let me hear yours. And then we'll play. Because with um your the visual of you, there is a delay different than yeah. the sound, and then trying to play together is like what yeah. Am I, playing I don't with? think we're gonna be able to play together. So you just play yours, and then when you're done, I'll play mine, and then that'll be that. Okay. All right. remember and or want to share what you wrote on the inside of that one yes this one in particular it's funny that you say that because melissa was having a hard time reading it last night and i'd forgotten what i wrote so it was a piece of it was a a piece of line um 
that I used in one of my upcoming class descriptions. And it says, let me find the beginning. It is your ancient right to dance that magic back into your bones. Hmm. Yay. What about you? The A-sided drum. So I had originally put in uh, the invocation for each of the four elements, the four directions, Mm -hmm. because it's got eight sides. Four of them are like the cardinal directions. So I had written... um, guardians of the north strengthen and and solidify me you know etc through through the rest of the directions of the elements but then i didn't like the way that it looked and so i painted over it so it's like secretly hidden and then what i painted over it is just like a an ombre of like black to gold and then the four elements in their symbol so like the triangle either like upward with the line through it or downward just the the elements yeah. for my for my directions to keep yeah. me centered in space. Do you know off of the top of your head um, to share with the audience your eight the eight bead the eight bead chant from? Yes, yeah, because I love it, so I want to hear it. It is, girl seed, blood flower, fruit mother, earth mother. Wait. No, fuck, I had to sing it. Oh, oh. Okay, I'm going to sing it. It's not going to be great, but I'm going to sing, sing it. Sing it, take up Because I can't. You are a singer. Okay. Girl, seed, blood, flower, fruit, mother, spin, mother, midwoman, earth, crone, stone, crone, bone. Oh, so good. You did a great job. Fantastic. <laughs> and that so, midwoman always gets me. I'm like, <laughs> So for those that don't quite understand what that is, what is that a representation of? So it's a representation of the cycle uh, that a woman takes from maiden to mother to crone. So, the, so it goes through the triple goddess, but like with more specifically. So you can take triple goddess and then divide it into like the five main menarch or um, sorry, the five main blood mysteries of a woman, which is their birth, their menarch, their motherhood. Um, whether or not they give birth to an actual baby or have a womb that can bear children. It's like you're giving birth to something, whether it's like your household or your sacred work or your career, right? So the mother aspect and then um, menopause and then death. So those are the five main blood mysteries. But then you can divide that even more so into eight. So girl seed, so like the original like youth, the most maidenly of maiden, and then blood flower, woman coming into her menarch. Girl, seed, blood, flower, fruit, mother. Okay, so then she starts to bear fruits as a mother. Um, girl, seed, blood, <laughs> I, I don't know. I literally don't know it unless they sing it. Girl, seed, blood, flower, fruit. I'm just going to write it down one time and then I don't have to sing it 400 times. Hang on. Okay. Okay, so girl, seed, blood, flower. Okay, so next up is fruit, mother. So she's beginning to bear fruit. And then next up is spin, mother. So this is where mother has bared fruit, but now she's like 
multitasking and like organizing all the things and like you know making the world go round spin mother then there's midwoman so this is the point in between that super active mother and then beginning to turn into crone so midwoman and then there's earth crone so crone who still lives on the earth exists with the earth and then stone crone so this is the crone who's beginning to die and then bone so she is dead and she is there there's no longer the physical meat that exists on her and she is beginning to be part of the earth she's in that liminal space after death and before the cycle starts again as girl seed i love it i love her i love that song i love you i love all the things because it's such <laughs> um carolina hillier is she's a drum witch as well and she yeah. is magnificent she yeah. is magnificent. If um yeah, I strongly encourage you to Google her or look her up on um was it Bandcamp? No, she's not on any of those. She's on her own. You yeah. have to find her music through her own website, yeah. which is also like good for you. Like don't like <laughs> yeah. you do not need to give in to the man to be able to like I will find you. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I agree. Uh, so get yourself Get yourself to making a drum. I think it's very safe. I mean, it's a beautiful thing if you purchase a drum, of course. Yes, yes. But if you get if you get the opportunity, please, please, please make a drum. It is mm-hmm. it's it it shifts. It's a spiritually shifting experience. Yeah. And I can't recommend it enough. Right. Well, and also I feel like we're winding down, but I want to add this. So when you make the drum, the drum itself is a circle, which is representative of of the feminine shape, not only in like the curves of our body, but also the wholeness, like the singular one container. And it's also, you know, mirrors the, the shape of Earth and all the planets and everything. But when you create this drum in the shape of a circle, you're connecting with the oneness and the unity in everything, not only with like you and nature, but like everything. Because in a circle, there's no beginning, there's no end, there's no singular edge, there's just is this one consistent soft curve that encompasses everything so so when you take time to create this thing it's like you're creating your own universe and like connecting to this universe inside you and connecting to your sacred place in the universe and how you have this incredible ability to like make magic and alchemize all these things that come into your into your pathway and that you have the entire universe to bring into your pathway to play with like it's just it's the best it's the best (laughs) it really is the fucking best and there's so much symbolism there's like i could just get lost in all of it yeah i highly recommend the book the -hmm. book definitely starts rooted into the um into the drumming aspect of the goddess and the women that did celebrate and were celebrated themselves and then it transitions into um explaining the root of all of these divine goddesses and things like that it's it's a it's a really well-written book has beautiful illustrations and um it has a little bit of a background on lane redman who is the the author um and then there's also that that little documentary well and we think of drums today is like you play them in in a band but the frame drums i mean you we would play them to bring on spring. Like we would play them to celebrate. We would play them to like encourage the moon to like move through its cycles and to like revere these certain times in life or, you know, to, you would play the drum as someone was on their deathbed to, to open up the portal and help transition Mm. them into their next phase of, of spiritual life. Like it just, 
it was paramount to everything, right? So the food that you harvested was in tandem with the seasons and you thanked the goddess through playing the drum and you asked for things through the drum, right? Please make this a good harvest. Boom, 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 boom. You know, like it just, everything was centered around this unifying, super simple instrument. And like the power is, it, it did not go away. It's still there. It's just like latent and it's, Like what an incredible opportunity that we have in this modern day and age and infinite knowledge and awareness through like, you know, being digitally connected that we can still tap into all of that latent energy and infinite potential that's waiting for us in this instrument. Yeah. It's the best. (laughs) Beautifully said. I can't make it any better. Great. Do you feel complete? I do. I feel very complete. Okay. I feel complete too. Thank you. you. And come to our drum workshops. Yes. (laughs) So much fun. It's so much fun. Thanks so much for listening. You can find more from your sisters on Patreon. We've got four tiers of Shakti power to choose from with all sorts of Rebel Goddess Reclamation content, as well as our website, rebelgoddessreclamation.com where you'll find seasonal events, circle leader mentorships, and drum birthing workshop circles. You can also support us individually with our solo endeavors. Sarah's website, theartofwildpleasure.com, is your go-to for all your Red Sisters offerings, workshops, trainings, sacred menarch celebrations, mother roaster services, moon-blessed apothecary items like bath salts, candles, intention oils, and so much more. You can see what Sam, your dark sister, is up to at matmotives.com. Matt Motives are chakra-based vinyl decals to use as focal points on your yoga mat, laptop, or wherever, serving as a reminder to rest your awareness on the qualities you want to cultivate. A third of all proceeds are donated to a nonprofit of your choosing at checkout. On the website, you can also find recorded breathwork practices, along with lots of other subtle yoga workshops and trainings. Thanks again, Wild Ones, for playing and working with the goddess right alongside us. Yes, thank you. More please.